Check with the recording for my people. Okay, so I want to I'm going to do the shame Shmuel about Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is coming up. So first page Kuf Zion, page Kuf Zion there, the shame Shmuel Yom Kippur. So it has a very interesting. This really, I I think this is maybe the best or the most important piece I saw. I was telling one of the students here that he's very sparse about Yom Kippur. He has very little. I think it has to do because he only really had one opportunity to speak about it, Shabbos Tshuva, the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So maybe he didn't speak so often. I don't know exactly why it's so sparse, but it is. In any event... uh, Let's do this piece. This is a very interesting piece. We know that on Yom Kippur, there's a lot of unique services in the Beis Hamikdash, which are not done any other time of the year. The two most uh, uh, outstanding ones, or the ones which are very unusual, is that he goes once a year, Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, goes once a year into the Kodesh Kedoshim the most holy of holies. And there, there were two uh, services that he does. One is Ketores. He has a special incense, which he uh, puts on a little pan of fire and makes a cloud of smoke in the Kodesh Kedoshim. That's one thing. The Ketores, it's called the Ketores Lefnai Lefnim. Ketores, which is in the inner, inner sanctum. And the other is that he brings the blood. There are two goats, very unusual, twin carbon, called two seirim. And one of the goats slaughtered like a regular sacrifice, and the blood is taken inside to the Kodesh Kodoshim and sprinkled on the Aron Kodesh. The other goat is sent off a cliff for the Sola Zaza. Okay, so th- those are the very, very un- unique and unusual korbanos of Yom Kippur, the Ketores, which goes into the Naibu Lepnim, and the two Sirim, the two goats. So first I want to, he talks about the Ketores. What is the idea, what is this special carbon of the Ketoret on Yom Kippur? Usually a Ketoret, you bring on the Mizbeah Chazal, the goal every day, Twice a day, the Kohen or the Kohen God, whoever it is, will do the regular Avod of Ketores, of making this very sweet odor in the base of Migdash on the Mizbech. But once a year, he goes into the Kodesh Kedosh. And we say in the davening, actually, that uh, the Ketores of the base of the Lefnaiv, Lefnim, that Ketores gets ground up extra thin. So, Ketores in general, the daily sacrifice of Ketores has 11 samamonim, has 11 different spices or things which make this odor, and it's ground together, so it's like a mixture every day. But then, every Yom Kippur, they take the mixture of the Ketores and grind it again, make it daka mina daka, super fine, and then the Kohen takes a little piece of that in, a, in his hand, brings it into the Kodesh Kedoshim and makes this fire smoke. 
of the of the organ of the katoves in the Kodesh Kadosh. So it has eleven components. The, the katoves. Now he explains, and this is not unique to him. I think it's in many of the Hasidic Shasfarim say this idea that the eleven components of the katoves. The Gemara says. 10 out of the 11 smell very good. Each of them has a very nice smell. But the 11th one, which is called Chelbena, in Hebrew called Chelbena, by itself has a very repulsive, not good smell. When you mix it together with the other 10, somehow blends in and becomes really powerful smell of all 11, and it smells very good. That chalbana creates some kind of pungency, some kind of... It's like when you put vinegar into a salad dressing. Vinegar by itself is no good, but if you mix it together with oil, spices, and vegetables, then it makes everything taste better. So this chalbana is something like chomet, something like vinegar, but it's in, a, in the aroma, in the world of aromas. The 10 spices per se have good aroma, but this chalbana, which itself has a bad aroma, if you mix it together, it makes everything smell very good. So the Shem Shmuel and the Hasidish firm in general say that uh, these 11 spices, 10 sweet ones and one with a, not such a nice smell, are, represent different kinds of Jews. That there are 10 types of tzaddikim, or so to speak, Jews that keep Torah and mitzvahs. Some people are learning a lot of Torah. Some people are doing a lot of chesed. Some people are uh, doing certain mitzvahs. Um, so everybody has their own thing, good things. These are the 10. Like a million, like a million of 10 people. So those 10 represent all the Jewish people doing good things. And then you have this one, uh, which is a repugnant, distasteful, not a good smell, the chalbunah. That's the guy or the woman, whoever it is, who's rebelling and not doing good things. So on Yom Kippur, actually the whole year, but especially on Yom Kippur, you're supposed to put all the Jews together the, the, so to speak, the ten, the minion of the tzaddikim, together with this one Russia, this one evil person, we put them all together, that creates this kapara right inside the Kodesh Kedoshin. You have to mix everybody together. So, because the main, let's call it, factor which will create kapara, which create a reinstatement of the Jewish people with Hashem, is if the Jews are united. So we know from uh, Jewish history that the biggest problem, the most uh, stubborn problem that the Jewish people has among, let's say, all the different avaros, all the different misdeeds that you could do, the biggest one is this hatred that Jews have for one another. It's called Senaschino. That seems to be not like, like, incorrigible. It's 
been going on since the sale of Yosef. That's the first story. And it just keeps on going on and on throughout the Chumash, the Tanakh, then afterwards by Shani, up to the whole the exiles. And nowadays also, you have this like deep-seated, uh, you know, enmity that Jews have for one another. And it doesn't really make a difference what stripe or religious flavor anybody has of any group. It's it's like it has to be that there's internal fighting and hatred between one people and one another. So and it's a very deep seated thing. Uh if we would know the real reason, maybe we could actually fix it, but no one seems to be able to put their finger on the real cause. So that's why no one's been able to come up with a solution to how to fix this. But in any event, um, the, the idea that you mix the worst smelling spice with all the good spices means you're supposed to take, supposed to create, and you mix it all together very, very fine. Document that document means that it has to be so much together that it merges into one indivisible entity. That's the idea of the Kintoras on Yom Kippur, that it's an indivisible united entity, all the different kinds of Jews from left to right, from Tzaddik to Russia. Everybody has to be united together. If we're united, then we get the full tapara and the full um, for atonement of the day. So, so he says like this, he says that, the, so he says that the, the, the idea of putting it back into the grinder and grinding it again is that people, in order to get this level of unity, what has to be done is that people have to remove their own personal egos. So, again, this is explaining something. I don't know exactly know how you actually fix it, but the, the cause of, of the hatred is because people, whether it's one person or a group of people, feel superior. They feel, they feel that they are in the right they know better than the other fellow. So they don't respect the other fellow or the group's opinion. So, well, that opinion is stupid. My opinion is correct, and his opinion is stupid. So that's an element with, called gasus ruach of gaiva. That's an element. That attitude, dismissing someone else and his opinion, think that I am correct versus that guy, has an element of, of gaiva, of bravado and uh, ego and that's the cause the cause is this inability to give up oneself say I'm not so I, I, I'm my opinion is my opinion but it doesn't mean it's the only opinion in the world on this issue which has to be this way I have to be able to say something else I have a different opinion maybe 
maybe the world is going to follow his opinion, not my opinion. So the gasus haruach, the the which is this inflated ego, is really because of this kind of a machlokas. We don't want to give up your position because you have this inflated view of of self-righteousness, of being correct. So that's so, so the idea of grinding up all the spices means whatever you are, cut yourself down, grind yourself down. So if you do that, then you'll be able to, uh, to, to at least listen and recognize the other person's value and you can create unity. Because without that, we're going to let our own individual self be so important that will destroy the ability to be united with other Jews. So that's why, since the Ketores is the mixture in, in the symbolic sense of all the Jews together, so it, this grinding it again and again, Daka, Minadaka means to try to knock down one's self-inflated pride which makes it impossible to truly be united with people who disagree with you. So have to do that. So that, he says, is the key. However, however, the, there is a problem. Yes, the problem is as follows. Uh, sometimes Let's put it in simplistic terms. Let's say one tzaddik has a certain opinion and the other tzaddik has the reverse opinion. Okay, so they're both tzaddikim and each opinion is valid for that tzaddik. He's entitled his opinion. Okay. Uh, let's say, you know, Rashi says... Well, let's see. Vilna Gon says end Shabbos after 30 minutes. Rabbeinu Tam says end Shabbos after 72 minutes. The both Sadiqim once said 30 minutes, once said 72 minutes. So they have a dispute. So in, in order for that dispute to keep it in, in its right proportions, each side has to say, okay, I have my opinion. Vilna Gon says 30 minutes. Rabbeinu Tam says 72. But each one has to say, I can't get inflated and carried away with my opinion as being absolutely right and no one can disagree with me. You have to be able to say, my opinion is great for me and people want to listen to me. And, and that authority, the other authority has his opinion. It's valid for him and valid for his followers. I think I'm right, but still, I, I'm not going to let it turn into an overinflated sense of Gaiva that I that I'm absolutely right and, and therefore I, I hate him for not doing what I want to do with my way. So you have to, there between two tzaddikim we can we can we can sort of have uh, uh, a strategy to keep one's opinion in a certain proportion and not let it get carried away. But the question is, when you're dealing with a Chalbanon, you're dealing with a Russia. 
So this fellow is is doing bad things. And we take want to stop him from doing those bad things. Because those bad things are really bad. He's hurting people. He's hurting the Jewish nation. We have we we must stop him. So we can't say, oh, well, live and let live. I have my opinion and he has his opinion, so I tolerate his opinion. That's two tzaddikim can tolerate one another's opinion. But how is it possible to tolerate the the opinion of a Russia who's actually doing this vicious? How can we possibly tolerate that? So what does it mean that the Chalbana should be mixed together with the other spices? The Chalbana is a Russia. He's doing terrible things. How can we possibly tolerate him? So, this is the question which the Shemesh Shmuel has. So, uh, yeah, I'm giving a share, so I can't learn that. So, uh, how 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 does the so that's that's the problem? How can how can you tolerate the opinion? Of the Chalbanot. No, you're supposed to be absolutely against it. And not only that, you actually have to hate that opinion. So he says, like this, this is a very amazing idea that Hashem Shmuel has. He says the way is like this Imagine you have a very close friend who's been your friend for your whole life. Now, for some reason, he had some kind of a nervous breakdown. He gets dementia. And in this demented state, he starts screaming and breaking windows and turning violent. What's your reaction to your close friend who now has dementia and is violent in this dimension. Do you hate him? No. You feel bad for him. You feel sorry for him that he has gone crazy and something happened. He snapped. So when someone's doing bad things and obviously you want to stop those bad things, it doesn't have to it doesn't have to trigger hatred it can trigger sympathy for that person's dementia, for that person's terrible thinking. I feel sorry for him. So that's the way he says to look at it. You feel sorry. You feel, I want to help him. And if I could, stop this terrible behavior and stop doing these terrible, crazy things. And he says, there's a Gemara. The Gemara says, "Ein Adam A person won't do an Aveva unless something crazy goes into his brain and starts thinking like a madman. That's why he'll do an Aveva. So that's exactly like someone who has dementia. So truly, every Jew is supposed to love every other like his best friend. When he sees that, unfortunately, his 
best friend went off the deep end mentally. He feels sorry for him. He wants to help him. So that's the same thing. When he sees this other Jew who he should think is his best friend is doing these terrible things, hurting people, damaging the Jewish nation, etc. She feels sorry for him and try to think, how can I help him get out of this mental, mental disease, to speak, that he's a victim of. He should feel that his friend is literally suffering from dementia. And that's why he can be connected to him. That's why we can put the chalbana together with everybody else because we feel achmanus. We feel sad for the people who are going off, off the derech, off their way. So this is that Shemesh Shmuel's idea. It's a very good idea because as we um, go to Yom Kippur, the very beginning of Yom Kippur, there's a prayer right before Kol Nidre called Tefillah Zaka and the Marza. And that prayer, we forgive everybody for any evil or harm that they did to us, to me, or to everybody else. We forgive one another because we want to get to this mode where we feel united. That means if someone is doing evil, bad things, I feel sorry for him. He's my best friend. I wish he wouldn't be in such a terrible frame of mind. But not to hate him, be angry, but rather just feel sorry and sad for him. That's, That's what we should be feeling when we go into Yom Kippur. So uh, we know we, we know that unfortunately, uh, general we we the course of the year this year, like all the other years previous, we still suffer from this problem of unwarranted level of machloket. So maybe we can take the two ideas of the Shemesh Shmuel and how to how to fix it. One is to we. Grind, grinding ourselves down to, be, to try as much as possible to remove any personal ego and over-exaggerated self-importance. So in other words, not, not to invest myself and my pride in a, in a, in a situation. So I have an opinion, I hope my opinion will, will, will be the which is followed, but I shouldn't invest myself and my self-worth into this. So therefore, I won't get so agitated. People disagree with me because I I take away my pride from this uh, whole thing. That's number one. And number two, if, the, if another person is indeed not just uh, not just disagreeing in a legitimate way, but he's actually doing bad, terrible, evil things. And I do want to stop that and fight it even. But don't 
do it with hatred, but do it out of a sense of sympathy. You feel sorry and sad for the person whose his mind has lost it, so to speak. He can't control his thoughts and actions. You feel sorry for him, like a person who has a demented, a demented sickness. So with Rachman, we can then fight evil without falling ourselves into the trap of uh, unwarranted hatred, which is evil. Okay, so that was one piece, which I thought is a very important and good piece uh, that he has. Now, let's look at another one. That was page Kuf Zion. Let's look at Kuf as well. Okay, now we want to talk in, in this page, Kuftez Vav, he talks about the other special carbon of Yom Kippur, the double, so to speak, the twin goats. The twin goats is a very mysterious carbon, especially the goat which gets sent outside of the camp. Kuftez Vav gets sent out of the camp and pushed off the cliff. It's the only carbon which is sent out of the base of Migdash and killed in that way. Every other carbon is inside the base of Migdash. Furthermore, it has a very strange name. It's called the goat Azazel. The word Azazel is a very unusual word. No one knows really what it means. Some say it just means a cliff. It's the goat which is sent to the cliff. But some say it doesn't mean Satan. Some kind of a gift to Satan. A very strange, very strange carbon. The goat, La Zosa. And what's even stranger is that the Gemara says that this goat just sent off the cliff is a super-duper machaper. It creates atonement for things which no other sacrifice does. All other sacrifice only atone for sins when a person does tshuva. But the Sarla Zazel can create kapara for Jews without tshuva. There's a whole big machlokas, which sins get forgiven. But everybody agrees that there's a certain level of sins which get atonement just by that goat being thrown off the cliff without without any tshuva, which is very strange, because Yom Kippur is the day of tshuva, of, of, of rededication. And here, the goat gives atonement without tshuva. 
So it's very, very unusual carb. And, and the other goat has its blood brought into the Kodesh Kedoshim, Lefnai Velefnim, that's called the Soil Hashem, the goat for Hashem. So it's also it's the only carbon with blood which goes inside the Kodesh Kedoshim once a year. That's it. So they're both very, very unusual carbonos. So uh, the Shemesh Shmuel has his take on it. Uh, a lot of people tried to give a certain take on these two goats. I remember I once heard a shear from of Aaron Salavechik about it, in which he said a very interesting idea. He said like this, the two goats are brought to the base of Mikdash and the Kohen has in front of him a lottery. One piece of whatever, one lot it says Lashem and the other lot it says Lazoza. He sticks his hands into the into the plate, picks it and closes his eyes, picks out the two lots, puts one in the right hand, the one goat, then the lot the lot on the left and the other goat. The right hand goat is Lashem. Whichever one says Lashem, he looks at it, looks at the two things and if it says Lashem, that's the goat for Hashem. And if the lot says Lazoza, that's for Azoza. Okay, so whichever way it works out, right or left. So he said an idea like this. He says, you see that one goat goes into the most holy spot in the world, the Kodesh Kodesh. And the other goat goes to the worst place in the world, the stone of the cliff, for Satan. Meanwhile, the Gemara says you have to make both goats exactly the same, same size, same color. They're like twins, twin goats. And the only difference, and one winds up in the best place in the planet, in the Kodesh Kedoshim, and the other one winds up in the worst place. He's a gift to the Satan. And what's the difference? A lottery. Lottery put this one here and that one over there. And lottery is a matter of luck. So he says that's the lesson. The lesson is that sometimes people are put into wonderful situations and that supports them in doing mitzvahs. And some other people are in terrible situations. That encourages them to do averos. So this luck of the jaw, which some people have, so that's considered maybe a way of getting atonement on Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, Hashem, is super-duper chesed and rachmen, super-duper kindness and forgiveness. So he says that if the sinner that sins could be blamed not on him, not because the sin had made a bad choice. He wasn't. A, he was placed by fate in a bad situation. He was. He was in a place where this uh, temptation was too big for him to handle. He didn't have the support system. The other fellow was a tzaddik. Had was get a better situation. So. It could be 
that this is where Hashem will, will use this kind of thinking to forgive people. We will forgive people who did bad things and Yom Kippur because there is a way of explaining why they did this bad thing. They were in a, it was a bad environment. It was a very stressful situation. The temptation was very strong. So all these factors which triggered the sin will be the excuse on Yom Kippur. It's almost like it's like moving people away from responsibility of making poor choices. And Rosh Hashanah would judge for choices. Made a bad choice. You get, you get an Avery, made a good choice. You get a mitzvah. You know, Kippur, God doesn't blame you for choices because he always is able to see that you were a victim. Maybe you never got the education that the other people got. But you come from a bad, you come from a such strong backgrounds, so you have weaknesses. So, so you're not to be blamed, even though, so that, so in other words, on Yom Kippur, we move away. In order for God to give atonement, God has to say people are victims of their circumstances. Rosh Hashanah, God is judging choices. Did you do a good choice or bad choices? So you have what's called a scale. It measures how many good things you did, how many bad things, and you're responsible for every choice. But no, Kip is the opposite. God says you didn't really have choice because you were you were you were pushed by your circumstances to do the wrong thing. Blame the circumstances, like the goats. This goat winds up the Kodesh Kodashim. That goat winds up Lazazel. And the only difference is a goat is the lottery. So the same thing, people through their lot in life wind up in different places. So this is the this is the big chesed. This is what and your people keep on saying, Yud Gimel Mido the 13 attributes of mercy. The 13 attributes of mercy are rooted in this thing that the mercy of Hashem is because explains away the bad things a person did because of it was a weakness he wasn't responsible for. He was born with this weakness. He grew up with this weakness. Life was too hard for him to handle, so he gave in. But don't blame him. That's That's an attitude of chesed. Attitude of Chesed. So uh, that's what the Rav Salvechik said. But the Shem Shmuel, he has another idea. His idea is like this: that um, his idea is like this: that you have to person is a combination of good and evil. Everybody. And the idea is to try to push away the evil side that you have and to increase, strengthen the good side. So that's what it is. Going into the Kodesh Kadoshim is strengthening the good side. And being thrown off the cliff is throwing away the bad side. So um, it's a twin process. There's a process with it's part of me I have to throw off the cliff. 
The part we have to bring into the holiest of the holies. This is, there's this double process in order to get the purity instead. Of Yom Kippur, you have to do a sumayra, that's throwing the goat off the cliff, getting rid of the evil, and aseito, strengthening the good. So he says that this should be a complete process. In other words, we're not talking just about getting rid of things which are really bad. Even on the good side, I could, there's certain things which may be handicapping my goodness. I could be even more good, but there's something handicapping me. So that should also be thrown off the cliff. Let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the mitzvah, I'm going to go to shul, but I'm not going to run to the shul. But when I get into the shul and I daven, I'm going to daven, but I'm not going to daven so much fervor. So I can do the mitzvah, but not with more energy. So I should try to even get rid, he says, and that though off the cliff, you get rid of even, let's call it power or neutral things, which are not really that good. And on the good side, you and then you want to bring into good anything possible that you can find which can be turned into good. You should bring that in to the good. So if you see something which you could turn around into good, then do that. So not just take something which is apparently good, but take things which you don't know if they're good or bad and see if you can push them either to the good side or get rid of them and the bad side. So basically, he's trying to get you to be energized with fresh energy for good and to get rid of the bands. Okay, so that's what he says is, for example, uh, says emes. It's very interesting. The word emes in the 13 midos and truth. So strange. Truth doesn't sound like so much mercy. Truth sounds more like din, judgment. But still, the 13 attributes of mercy, we say truth. Emes is one of them because the truth is, he says, is that Jews really should not be doing any sins. We're basically good. The truth of everything is that the Jew or the person is basically good. There's some kind of garbage which is stifling his goodness. So, by focusing on, by assuming that one is fundamentally good, you will actually can get good on Yom Kippur. That's the MS. The MS of Yom Kippur is that the Jew is basically good. Yom Kippur is the most optimistic day of the year. We have the best view of ourselves and of other Jews on Yom Kippur. It's, uh, this is a very big uh, theme in Rabbi Salavajik, the Rav's uh, the, uh, the messages of Yom Kippur was that it's it's the day, people think it's a day of atonement, you're worrying about sins, that's not true. It's a day of redemption. 
where you are redeemed from all the garbage which is accumulated in the whole year. You are purified and your goodness shines. That's what Yom Kippur is. Kapara sometimes means to shine. To shine a piece of metal means the chaper. So, Kaporas, it's a piece of metal which was shining. So, so um, Yom Kippur is a day in which the Jew is shining. So all the dirt and garbage is eliminated and just the true essence, which is goodness, comes out. That's what the Shem Shemot says here, the line two on page Kofetet Vav, but the Rav in his speeches about Yom Kippur spoke about this very much. That's the day. The day of discovering one's true essential goodness. One's own personal goodness and the goodness of Hashem. Maybe that's the soil Azazel and the soil Hashem is that a person has a dual personality. And then Yom Kippur, it's the part which goes into the holiest of the holies is what you you discover and the junk part gets thrown off the cliff. That's the soil of Zozo. Yeah. It's the same thing that Shem Shmuel says here. The rub is Marikalat and Sefer Alachuba about this. Okay. So therefore the Kuftat Zain with the last little piece would say is that there's a mitzvah to eat Erev Yom Kippur. So, and that Gemara learns out from a Pasuk. Tisha L'chodesh Be'erev. Be'erev Adev. It says, Tisha, the Vedas admits it to fast on Yom Kippur, there's a mitzvah to eat Erev Yom Kippur. So, basically, he says, the shame Shmuel, it means, um, He says that the idea is um, says I mean, this that's not this piece. God makes it's it is to speak about it. I saw it someplace, but I don't know where it is. Or maybe um, okay. Maybe read it into Kuftetz, and I don't know, but I, the idea is like this: Yom Kippur is an is a day which we don't eat, so we're like angels. But we have to be able to take the Yom Kippur and bring it something into the rest of the year. So eating before Yom Kippur uh, as a preparation for Yom Kippur is that the, the Gashmias 
really we want uh, even though Yom Kippur we get this certain level of Kedusha which is beyond the regular everyday world because we don't eat or drink but we should know that the goal is that we should have Kedusha in everyday life not just on Yom Kippur do we have this Kedusha but we're supposed to somehow get it into the regular everyday life. So therefore, eating and drinking before Yom Kippur is getting the, some kind of a Kedusha into regular food and regular things we do. Even though it's before Yom Kippur. So it's really, it should have been after Yom Kippur. But the reason you do it before Yom Kippur is that even before Yom Kippur, you feel something special is in the air. So you get inspired in a regular day to have some kind of a Kedusha, regular food that you eat, the regular daily life. Yom Kippur is supposed to be Lamalam and Azman. Where is that? What page? Let's see. Oh, that's yeah. That's what he says in page Kofiud that the message of Yom Kippur gets into the whole year, and that's why we eat and drink the Yom Kippur way, Arab Yom Kippur. Some and. Before Yom Kippur, that's the Chiddush. You don't have to wait for Yom Kippur to actually get this level of inspiration. You can feel it before Yom Kippur comes. You should do it on the day before Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is such a holy day that our spiritual antenna senses it the day before Yom Kippur. Okay, very good. We stop here. And... Uh, We'll pick it up, but I see that we have to really change the time. So I will work it out. I'll speak to the people. Maybe we'll go back to 9 o'clock on Thursday night, something like that. Okay, meanwhile, have a wonderful uh, Shabbos and an easy fast. And we should be talking about Kapoor Sayom of Yom Kippur. It was excellent. Thank you. We put it into the cloud yeah. and send it to Deep Trevor. Uh,